Now introducing the Minor Wisdom Trio! Minor Wisdom! So, once again, I recorded this long, long, long intro, and it was actually long enough to be just kind of a podcast, and I was going to release it as like a 20-minute thing, right? But then I had second thoughts, and I thought to myself, self, just stick with the format. And so I am. And so today is a very, there it is, a very entertaining, funny chat, like highly entertaining, a way to kind of get things kickstarted yet again with Brandy Roth. Uh, Just a hoot of an interview, hoot, like an owl. Um, And I've never met Brandy. I don't think I've ever met Brandy. I think Brandy would tell you that I've never met Brandy, but it was so fun. It was a lot of fun. It was, again, it was another one of those reminders on why or of why that the, this podcast exists. It was the same thing as when I quote unquote left, quit, whatever, stopped doing it um, a year ago and then uh, over a year ago. And then some lady named Rashonda Jones Kumba ever heard of her? Anyway, she won a Tony. So I came back, you know, but um, I, I don't think I'm going anywhere anytime soon yet again. Uh, I've recorded a number of podcasts or a number of interviews over the last week, week and a half, and I've still got about three on the docket. So, um, you know, here I am. I am doing this somewhat selfishly uh, because Covenant, where I am now working, call me (laughs) if you need stuff, uh, but Covenant uh, finds some value in this podcast, as do I, but it's keeping the network strong. It's keeping my connection with Texas theater education strong and Texas theater educators and Texas theater students very strong. So I am going to continue. Uh, since I've last talked to you, Ava has started sixth grade. That was scary. I'm not joking when I tell you I cried at least half the day uh, and not just like tears, but like boohoo, um, because I was just so scared for her, so nervous for her. And sure enough, everything turned out fine. She's already made friends. She's been in school for a week and a half. She's fine. Uh, Eleanor started first grade. That was a completely different experience because the minute the door opened for me to drop her off, which I get the pleasure of doing every single day. And I love that. If you are not a parent and you're thinking about becoming one, uh, I highly recommend when you do And when your kids get to the age of like drop off age, um, not just like take them to a daycare kind of thing, but like drop them off at school. It's, it's really fun, especially when they like you. That's the best part because Eleanor still likes me. So, uh, but I opened the door and everybody's like, Eleanor, Hey girl. So that made me feel good. Ava's school didn't really do that. They didn't, not that they would know who Ava is, but there was really no hoopla on the first day. And that's part of what made me so upset. Uh, because I know that, like, when I was at Dulles, um, shoot, at Travis, with Sarah LeBur- I mean, the the Fort Bend schools know how to greet you. They know how to say hello to a mofo. And uh, didn't get that vibe from the Klein schools, but maybe that'll change. I don't know. Speaking of schools, HISD is a mess. Uh, I apologize if you are in HISD and you teach in HISD or you have a student in HISD. My niece and nephew are both in HISD. And Houston ISD is just a jumbled up mess being run by a pawn who is serving uh, Mr. Hot Wheels and 
it's an absolute mess. It's embarrassing how bad things are in HISD. And I have some good friends that work there. I have some good friends that listen to this podcast that work there. And you're not going to, I don't want to hear from you as far as your job is concerned, uh, because I don't want to get grumpier about what is happening in that district. Uh, the district I grew up in, I went to Welch Middle School and then I went to HSPVA and that's all in HISD. And the guy that's running it, man, just, just a, a complete tool, complete sham. Uh, but I digress. Other things that have happened again, I started at Covenant, um, completely different world, completely different world. I miss education, but I'm getting my kicks. I'll start this week at the university of Houston. Um, once again, I, uh, months and months ago, I said to somebody, yeah, I'm the provost, I'm a provost at university of Houston. And my brain just said provost. I meant adjunct. I am most definitely not the provost at the university of Houston, but my brain said that and they looked at me funny and I was, I just went with it. I kept rolling with it, but I'm an adjunct at the university of Houston in the theater education department. And that is a just joy to do. So, um, hopefully that kind of fulfills my education kicks, classroom kicks. So that should be fun. But the covenant thing is, is working out thus far. Been doing a lot, got in front of some teachers in Cypher, some teachers in Beaumont. I'm leaving out one, but I've gotten in front of quite a few districts already uh, and just had, a, oh, uh, um, 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 Goose Creek. There you go. Uh, but had a, have, I've had a good time so far. Uh, Katie Cross is a, an animal when it comes to making sure that educators are getting what they need in their AV world, uh, in their lighting world, and whatever they need to, to make their shows better. I don't have, I mean, I, I could, I guess I could keep talking. I could, I could. It's been about a month since I've been away. Oh, I got a master's, another one from commerce. I don't want to talk about the commerce program on here because I. that's part of why I actually deleted the original uh, long intro um, because I kind of let things out. Uh, I will say in the positive nature that uh, Becca Worley is now in charge of that program. It's not an indictment on previous leaders of the program, but I will tell you that there's no other direction other than up when Becca Worley is in charge. Um, she is an amazing leader and just the, like, I, I hope, I want her to teach a course at some point on how to effectively keep the line of educator and friend clear, right? She is very good at being your teacher, being your educator, being your mentor, uh, while giving you proper critiques and criticisms and notes on work, but also not making you feel like an absolute piece of crap. Um, and she's also up to date and knows what's hip right now. And I can't say that for everyone at that school. And so that's the only negative thing I'm going to say. But anyway, Texas A&M Commerce, it is on the up and up. Uh, the Lion Theater Camp was amazing. I kind of talked about it on the last episode that I did. But this is now episode 207, not consecutive weeks. But the fact that I have done 207 of these is amazing. This one right now is going to be with Brandy 
one of the better ones, if not one of the top three, because it was so fun to get to talk to her and get to know her. Uh, I had a blast. She's very, very funny. Uh, has that you'll hear it. She has a, just a personality that is almost like a, a racquetball court just all over the place, but in a very fun and entertaining way. So I hope you enjoy it. Episode 207, leave a review, leave five stars, whatever. This is a niche small podcast for niche small people, whatever that means. Have a great week. Some of you going back to school, some of you already there. I hope everybody stays safe. Keep your wits about you. Holla. I was born in Idaho. I was a poor kid in Idaho, uh, but I really loved school and learning and reading. Um, I think my first moment of um, being involved in theater was in second grade. My wonderful teacher, Mrs. Craner, had this story um, like it was like something about a girl who turned into a crane and she let me be like the lead part. And, and so, you know, that was like, I'm an actress. And it was, it was fantastic. She was a great teacher. Um, in junior high, uh, I didn't do any theater. We didn't, there was a theater class, but um, they put me in um, like a gifted and talented class. And that was awesome. And so I didn't have enough like electives or whatever to do theater as well. Um, in high school, I auditioned for um, plays, but I never really got like good parts. My like, we did the Crucible, and my gay ex boyfriend was John Proctor, and I had to be Elizabeth Proctor. And my future husband that I hated at the time was like the Reverend. It was it was lovely. Um, I just always hated the parts I got. Um, what else? Uh, da, 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 da. Um, when I graduated, um, I really really wanted to get out of Idaho and away from like even through high school I wanted to be home as little as possible I didn't have a super great home life and I was in early morning band I played flute and piccolo and then you know I had a choir during the day so I did choir stuff and then after school I was always trying to do theater stuff um, just basically be gone as much as I could and when I graduated um, I got accepted into this lovely school called Cornell it's not the Cornell. It's a different, it's a college, Cornell College in Iowa. And sometimes I don't correct people when I tell them I went to Cornell. Sometimes I just let them think that. Um, but I went there. It was, it's a really unique school where you just take one class at a time for three and a half weeks. And so I was majoring in acting and it would just be like, you go to class in the morning, then you go to lunch, then you go to class in the afternoon. Um, and you just basically lived in that one topic for like a month and then you'd have four days off and then you'd have another class and it was just you and the my biggest class there was like 12 people maybe 14 people so small classes really intense and I took Latin and I took whatever I wanted to take it was just really wonderful and I loved it it was really good um but the guy that I hated in high school that was now my, my future husband who's gonna be my future husband we were kind of engaged but just like Anyway, um, he got he graduated. He's a year younger than me, and he got accepted to BYU in Utah. So I transferred from my beloved Cornell to BYU, and um, we we went there. I still majored in um, acting there, and we went for about a year, and then we decided we should get married because that's what nineteen year olds should do. And ugh, our parents supported us. Oh, anyway, we got married. He was, I, we, when we finally got married, I was 20 by one week and he was 19 
And we ended up dropping out of school and working at a pizza place for a while. And then that was stupid. So he went back to school and got a degree in computer science. And he's a video game programmer now. Um, and eventually, like, they had a program was like an independent study program to get your bachelor's degree. And it took me like 15 years from start to finish. But I eventually got my um, bachelor's degree. It's a bachelor's in general studies with an emphasis in psychology because um, it was limited. Uh, but at least I got it and it was good. And then um, we were having children and all the good stuff that you do. And we were in Utah. Then oh, I, when my so my first kid I had um, when I was 24 and they were like a golden child, perfectly well behaved, just brilliant, so smart. I was like, I am such a good mother. And it was it was fantastic. And then about four year later, four years later, we had my second kid. And I don't know what happened with him. He was something else. And when he was like two years old, I was like, okay, we're going to have to put him in preschool or something. I can't take it anymore. Uh, he was the kind of kid where I, I was feeding, like feeding our youngest, the baby at the time. And then the doorbell would ring and I'd answer the door. It was my neighbor. And she'd be like, do you know that your kid is naked throwing rocks off of the roof? And I'd be like, no, thanks though. And you don't have to pull him back in through the windows and stuff. Anyway, he was, hmm, he was a challenge. And so I was like looking up, trying to find a place like a school or something. And I, I got, I found a Montessori school, this cute little Montessori school. And I was going to take him in and have him tour, you know, and it was definitely going to be the pick. Uh, but when I got there, they're like, oh, are you here uh, to become the new teacher? You were going to teach with your child? And I was like, no, I'm not here about that. But tell me more about that. Could I do that? And so like I snuck in, I don't know who the real person was for that job interview, but I stole that position. And then, so I started teaching at the Montessori school, um, with my baby. She was like almost two years old and I was doing the two-year-old class. And then my crazy kid was in the older class and somebody else was making sure he kept his clothes on. And the oldest was in kindergarten at that point. And then my husband decided he needed to find a new job in a new state. And so we left Utah and came to Austin, Texas in 2010. And I started working at a different Montessori school. I just really loved Mon the whole Montessori program. And uh, I, I worked with my kids until they weren't all in school. And when my youngest was finally in kindergarten public school, I was like, all right, I'm going to become a writer. And so I took a year and I was like, I'm not going to work. I'm just going to write children's stories and blogs and things like that. I'd been blogging for a long time before that, but I was like, this is it. I'm going to be a professional writer. And it turns out I'm really, really bad at without structured time. Like I'm just, I'm just not good at that. And so my husband was like, you need to get a job. All right. Cause the writing thing's not doing anything. So uh, I found this like super sneaky backdoor way to get a teaching certification through ACC, um, Austin community college. And it was like, I got into the program in January. I took some classes. Some of them were in person. Some of them were just like answering questions on a message board. I don't know. And then in May, I took like the teacher test things um, and I got certified in math and science and language arts and social studies, four through 12, no, four through eight. And I was like, I can be a teacher now. Um, and if I got hired, then I wouldn't have to do student teaching. Um, but if I didn't get a placement, then I'd have to do student teaching. But then I got a job, so I didn't have to do student teaching, and I thought that was a good thing. Little did I know, oof, no, it was it was fine. It was challenging, but it was fine. And um, 
the school that I'm with right now, they gave me an interview, they gave me a job, and it was like, it was like a kind of a math teacher job um, in sixth grade. They called it math apps, and it was just like, um, like enrichment math. And so we're, I was supposed to teach math concepts with cryptology and art and games. And it wasn't really a cur cur curriculum already for me. It was just, that's what they told me to do. And I was like, I, I can do that probably. Um, so I just made it up. And, um, oh, and they're like, oh, and also the theater teacher is going to be out on maternity leave in October. Have you ever heard of um, UIL one act play contest? And I was like, no, but I but I could do that, too. So I just I just say yes. And I figure it out as I go along. That's like everything in my life. Um, so I taught fake math for a couple of years. And it's just it was like uh, today we're going to play Monopoly. <laughs> it was fun. It was really fun. I didn't get fired. It was good. Um, but my, the teacher, the theater teacher at my school, she was like, I want to work at a middle school that is closer to where I live. Cause I'm in Leander ISD and it is huge spread out. And I'm at the far one end and the rest of the school is like all the way at the other part of Austin. And so, and she lived way over at the other end and she didn't want to commute so much. And she was like, if you go get your drama certification, your theater certification, then I'll put in the good word with the principal and we'll get hooked up. And I was like, sweet. So I studied for the test and I took the test and I passed the test because it's not that hard to become a teacher in Texas. Evidently, it's like, you could just take some tests and you're in. It's like, it's good. It was good for me. And, um, but then she ended up not being offered that position and she was all bummed and I was like, it's okay. And they were going to take away my, my special fake math class and make me teach real sixth grade math. So I was like, all right, I'm going to have to gonna have to learn fractions and decimals and percentages. I can do this. Um, and then she and I were doing a summer school music theater camp. Um, and on the last day of theater camp, it was 10 days before school started. Uh, she gets a call for the job offer at the other school. And then like while she's on the phone with her principal, my phone rings for my principal and I'm getting the job offer at my school. And they're like, do you want to be a theater teacher in 10 days? And I'm like, yes, I do. And I had no curriculum. I had nothing. I was just like, mm -hmm, do it. And that's just, that's just how I do everything, I guess. Um, so I've been teaching at um, Canyon Ridge now for, uh, I started there in 2015. I started theater in 20, probably 17 or 18 or whatever. And then the last six years I've been there. And um, so like I went from never directing anything to like now it's probably like 40 or 50. I don't know. We do lots of shows. Um, I like to do all my class plays. We do a, a no one act play and we do the spring show. And the last two years has been a spring musical, which was the first time um, we'd had musicals for a while at Canyon Ridge. And then also last year, my husband and I wrote our one act play um, together. He, he did most of it and he'll take all the credit, but I was very helpful, I think. And and then we got we got second place at District. So that didn't suck. And I, I just love my job so much. And I just keep like sneaking in and agreeing to things that I can't probably do and figuring it out as I go along. And it's worked out so far. So nobody's noticed. That's cool. Uh, all I got out of that was that your husband's a video game programmer. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> very popular with the middle school boys. And yeah. he comes in to help. He's like, he just um, they did oh Titanfall and Uncharted and God of War or something yeah. like that. All these all these big stupid games that's that I don't cool. play. Yeah, that's that's one of those jobs that 
as a kid, I didn't know I wanted to do that because it didn't really exist. But as an, as an adult, you're like, that'd be a cool job, (laughs) but maybe not. My, my father-in-law was a train engineer. And so, you know, the like blue and white stripe type thing that as a kid you grow up and you're like, that's, that's really fun. And you play with trains and, and then you meet one and you're like, oh, it's just, it's actually not that great of a job. <laughs> but, all right. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm really impressed that you remembered your second grade theater uh, experience or, or your teacher from that time. That's like, I remember one of my first grade teachers, but that's because she was the granddaughter of James Naismith who invented basketball. And so that always stuck in my head. Was mm-hmm. I don't even know her first name, but I just remember Miss Mulcahy. That was her married name, but um, <clears throat> whatever. So, all right. So I got to ask a couple. There, I wrote down quite a few things. Some of that. This is maybe the first time I've done over two hundred of these. This may be the first time I've ever written down quotes that you said during your <laughs> during your chat that I wanted to hit on because it was quite funny. That was one of the funnier like backstories that I've ever been a part of. That was, it was really great. You just, I th- you just hit like one liners and just brushed over them like real quick and just kept going. And it was like, it was nothing. So very good. Um, so, uh, you're from Boise or no, from, I- from, o- from Idaho, not Boise. Yeah. Sorry. Um, is there an, is there an accent for Idaho? Is there a dia- an Idaho dialect? Sometimes I talk with a Southern accent and I say I'm from yeah. Southern Idaho, yeah. but I think there is, but like you can't tell your own accent yeah. really. It will. T- I think that it's like I know one other f- person from Idaho, uh, and and um, sh- there's no like dialect on her or her entire family. It's just very almost neutral, um, mm-hmm. if there is such thing. But anyway, uh, all right, Idaho. Uh, so you went to BYU. It, it, stop yeah. me if this is too personal, but are you a member of the Mormon Church? I am. My okay. Whole life. Yep. So. How is that in Austin? Is there like a, is there a, I didn't know that there was a Mormon um, community in, in, in the Austin area. I'd, we're, yeah. we're, we're formerly Austin Jews and there's a huge Jewish community in Austin. I know that, uh, but I guess I just never knew that there was uh, much of a Mormon community in the Austin area. Yeah. Um, coming from Utah, uh, I think that the Austin, uh, the church here in Austin is, so much more like open and tolerant and just like loving not that utah mormons are anything less but it's just been very like very supportive um my my children are like in the lgbtq plus community in various different ways and they've been like very well supported um and you know in our church like um there's a temple we're having they just recently announced that we're going to have an austin temple built um so that indicates you know a growing population of like faithful people in one area and everything so you know i've um i've done youth camps um with my with people in our church and everything like that and it's there's there's a bunch of us yeah okay good yeah when i was teaching in fort bend i taught at the school that was right next to the uh latter-day saints uh church and so um most of the kids that came into at least the theater department were I don't want to say most, a good, a good chunk of them were, uh, Mormon. And it was like my first experience with kind of getting out of the stereotypes. Cause there are a lot of really horrible negative stereotypes that come with the Mormon. Tr- I mean, probably with every religion, there are negative stereotypes, but, uh, that was my first experience to be like, Oh, the, like 
it's not much different than uh, anything else. It's just it has right. all these like weird. Now, Church of Scientology, that's di- that's different, and I think a lot of people think that that's like almost it's very similar, and it's like no, it's <laughs> like, uh, you don't you don't get your own planet. Um, but uh, B, the thing about BYU that I've always known about as a theater teacher is that if you Google search any theater anything, the BYU website mm-hmm. pops up. Uh, and it's yeah. amazing content. Why is it? Why? Why do you know why only BYU's pops up? Like, like yeah, what? I have I have no idea. And when I started, I was like, oh, thanks BYU, good job. Now I can teach, uh, even though I'm not prepared. Yeah. Um, they also BYU also does um, Studio C on YouTube, which is like really good, funny, right. clean um, skit comedy you can show middle school, high school kids, and they just love it. And uh, uh, I just. Uh, I've been very appreciative of it. I don't know why it exists like that, but I'm grateful for it. Yeah. So when you, but when you were there, you didn't take any part in the theater department or, or I you did. did. Oh, I, you did. did. I took okay. theater classes and stuff. It was in the nineties. And so like, I don't, the internet had just kind of barely been invented, I think. So okay. I don't know if it was there yet. Okay. Apologies if my memory, I have like the worst short-term memory. Um, <laughs> so if you said that and I didn't write it down, then whatever. Uh, do you hate pizza now? Uh, my <laughs> husband love, love, loves pizza forever okay. and always. I like I I'm I yeah I don't really love pizza, but yeah. we eat it a lot. Yeah, because I you but, know when you work, I hear this about pizza and ice cream places. If you work in one of those two places, <laughs> you eventually like start to just really you see too much. I guess too yeah. much of the sausage being made. I guess if you will and. And, and, it, and it makes yeah. you uh, makes you not a, not want it so much anymore. Uh, I did go to New York this summer for the first time ever, and the pizza there was like a, a rebirth. It was amazing. Yeah. So you know, try new pizzas in new places, maybe. If you ever get a chance to go to uh, New Haven, Connecticut, um, if you're a pizza, if you you know, if, especially if your husband's a pizza person, uh, New Haven, Connecticut has a style that is similar-ish to New York. But um, but not New York pizza. New York pizza people would be like, that's not New York pizza. But it has that similar uh, type of, of thinness to it, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you ever get a chance to go to New Haven, Connecticut, of all places, they mm-hmm. yeah, okay. What's the name of the place? Just like no, 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 like just their style. That's the yeah. thing. Everything, every pizza place in New Haven, Connecticut, even the Domino's there is well, great. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't experience chain. New Haven, uh, Chain Haven, but uh, no, like they're like mom and pop type, uh, hole in the wall type places. Uh, Got it. They have a style, but no, I could not give you a specific name of a place. Uh, you know, Pizza World. I don't know, but um, so you yeah. you mentioned a couple things. You quickly glossed over them. Number one, I just watched. Uh, do you know who Tom Segura is? It sounds familiar, yeah, but I don't know. He's he's a stand-up comedian. He's good friends with uh, the the one that uh, Bert Kreischer, the one that takes his shirt off all the time. The big guy that he takes a shirt. They're just they're two stereotypical white guys that uh, do comedy, but they're they they're best friends and they're always together. But anyway, Tom Segura just had a Netflix stand-up special, and uh, it's not the cleanest thing in the world. I wouldn't watch it with your kids unless you want to. I'm not going to tell you how to parent, but uh, there's a bit in there that you kind of you mentioned about your second child being on the roof mm-hmm. and like throwing rock he talks about how he has two uh uh 
nieces that are just super sweet, super nice or whatever, and they come over and they quietly play in the corner and you can check on them an hour later and they're still playing quietly in the corner and he has two sons and never knows where they are and even mm-hmm. makes a joke about like, are they on, on the house? Are they, even, you know? <laughs> um, and so anyway, it's a joke that, that, that little clip you would probably uh, <laughs> find rather funny after what you said about your kid <sighs> being naked on the roof. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, you mentioned that it's not hard to be a teacher in Texas. And I don't want you to get in trouble with that. I, I know that that mm-hmm. comment can resonate with some people in the wrong way. And I know what you meant by that. Uh, because I'm an alternative certification person as well. Um, do you have, like, do you know how the, what the process was in either Idaho or Utah? Like, do you have a comparative? Like, it, it, it was, I don't, I don't, at least when I was there, I don't believe they had an alternative certification right. program, um, at least not when I was going through school. Uh, and so, you know, it would be the, you would go through and have three years, a bunch of classes, and then, like, uh, at least a, like the last year, your senior year, you would be um, like shadowing teachers and then right. taking on a student teaching position and it, unpaid for sure. And, you know, you I can't imagine like that must have been the, the traditional method seems very, very intensive. Right. Right. Uh, I don't know if it's more effective, but like, I mean, new teachers, regardless of how they got their certifications, seem equally like terrified and ill equipped. Right. Is there something that, and I usually ask this at the end, but I'll ask it now because it's topical. Is there something that uh, you found uh, your first year to be kind of scary that now you kind of sit back and you, uh, you know, look back on that and you're like, that actually wasn't that bad. Uh, But at the time it was intimidating or scary. Yeah, definitely. Like um, when my principal would come in to observe, my heart palpitations and like, uh, I felt like everything the student said and did was a reflection on me as a teacher and you know and then I would just pour over those um, notes the feedback notes and like oh my gosh I have terrible classroom management I can't believe the kids were on the floor yeah I've got to stop talking I've got to wait Um, and now it's just like whatever like if the kids are going to say something silly when the admins in the room is on them one time um, the kids were doing some sort of set design thing and they were making like a draw bridge for a background. And then one of the kids started giggling and thought it looked kind of phallic. And then they were all giggling because it looked like, um, and then the principal walked in and while they were giggling and talking about their draw bridge and we just looked at each other and shook our heads because that's just what middle school kids do. And, you know, it was no big deal. And do you, do you still, I, I guess I didn't uh, pick up on this. Do you still teach middle school as well? Okay. Okay. Uh, is, is it different now? I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to let you talk on it. I guess what is different now in your mind post COVID? Um, the first, the first year back was way struggling just to get back into how to do real life and stuff. As a teacher now post COVID, um, they, it seems like a lot of teachers, expect that the students aren't going to, I guess, cheat or plagiarize or get the answers in creative ways. Uh, and they seem shocked and surprised, like if the answer is Googleable, that the students just copy pasted from Google. Um, as a theater teacher, you know, they can't really 
copy paste their monologue performance and stuff like that. But I mean, um, it's just the children, the students have become a lot more adept in using technology to save them time and effort. And so I think the teachers have to be more creative in how they're going to, I guess, judge or assess their right. students' work, mastery of the work. Yeah, I feel for English teachers right now because of the whole chat GBT, yeah. uh, the AI movement right now, because it's going to be hard to figure out if their writing is authentic. Um, yeah, and I feel guilty. Last semester, um, towards the end of the year, I had a whole bunch of my classes log into chat GPT and use it to write scenes and skits and stuff. And like, I basically told them that it was a great tool. I, but it is so, though. I mean, I, you know, that's the thing. That's the, like, I mean, I guess that's the argument right now in education is how powerful of a tool is it for, you know, for the, for the good and not the evil. But I think in certain mediums, I mean, even like my job now, I used it a couple of days ago to kind of outline something for me. Because it just, it, you know, it's not like I just copy pasted and went on my merry way. You, you know, you do have to read it a little bit and make sure it's not BS and stuff. But, but I mean, it is a, it is a good tool for, for some things. Um, like it gets all that basic stuff, like your first draft of the ideas that you probably would have come up with, yeah. all out and organized, and then from there you can creatively enhance it. Right. Yeah. It doesn't really do the research for you, like you just said. It does that kind of basic. Um, mm -hmm you know, uh, that, that, f that first level, that rough draft, like you said. So yeah, yeah that's a whole, that's a whole conversation. <laughs> I feel like that's going to be, you know, I'm not in the classroom anymore. Uh, but I feel like that's going to be where a lot of professional development is headed is how to tackle AI. Um, but we'll see, uh, what I hope we embrace it instead of try to fight it. Cause I just think that the more you try to fight technology, the instead of using it, the students are just going to use it anyway. And now it's naughty or whatever, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, depends on the district because <laughs> some districts yeah. are getting rid of text and some districts are not. So I think it really depends on where you are. But uh, again, a whole nother conversation that <laughs> that's, that's for another time. Uh, how does, how does your, and these are your words, I'm using your, your fake math. How does, how did your fake math experience translate to kind of you being a theater teacher because you know theater is fake it's you portraying something you're not how, how did that kind of uh did, did one lend itself to the other or, or how did that work out i would definitely say yeah um i really just like, in life i want things to be as fun and easy as possible like i mean i work hard i work real hard but i want it to be fun and i think that when the students are having fun they're more inclined to learn and it doesn't really matter what the topic is. If you, you know, if you say you have a warm-up quiz, um, people are gonna be like, oh, but if you say it's a warm-up game or a warm-up challenge, right? You can just use a little bit of enthusiasm and uh, tweak the language and the kids will get right behind it. When I thought I was gonna be a real life math teacher, I had my plan was like just to gamify. It wasn't gonna be units, it was gonna be, you know, like um, missions or quests or something. And all the assignments were gonna be like side missions, side quests. And you're gonna have um, uh, all these groups, like your your group would be like the rogues gallery or whatever. I don't know, it was gonna be exciting. It was gonna be the funnest math class ever, but then I taught theater instead, so. Is your theater class the funnest theater class ever? Yeah. like. 
I tell my students, it's my favorite class. I have my favorite class all day, every day, over <laughs> and over again. It's it's so like it's so much fun. I and I have so little um like my my admin have been wonderful about just trusting me. Right. Uh and I haven't broken their trust so much, I guess, that I just do I just do what I want. Parents aren't complaining, the students aren't complaining, and we have fun. We have fun. What what's the secret? What like why why aren't you is it because you didn't necessarily grow up in Texas theater that maybe you're not as sort of quote unquote tired? Uh but I mean what's the what's your kind of reason for having that energy, I guess, if you will. I, English is not my first language. So anyway, continue. <laughs> it, could, it could be ADHD. Like I'm just really have a lot of energy and uh, grownups in real life are usually pretty boring, but middle school kids, like their sense of humor, their everything, their energy levels and my energy levels vibe really well. And, um, you know, if you get into high school theater, some of those kids want to be professionals and that's going to be their life. And there's a lot of responsibility from the teacher to give them opportunities. You know, if they want to go on to major in acting and they didn't get the lead part in the last show, now there's a huge issue. Whereas in middle school, we're having fun. We're just learning and, you know, like it, it always turns out okay. So yeah. um, after years and years of just like, stressing a bit and then uh it all turned out okay yeah. i know it's gonna be okay i have a good friend named kelly harkins who's been teaching for middle school for i think 15 years now actually probably more than that just a little bit more but uh <clears throat> he is like similar positive attitude when it comes to middle school uh students and um, whereas my wife was in middle school and, uh, is no longer teaching. <laughs> so, uh, I think it does take a little bit of like, you've got to approach it a certain way. Um, and, and I like that. I like how you just kind of said, I like how you touched on the idea that high school kids, it almost is a little more serious because it <clears throat> might be something that they're actually going to do with their life. Whereas, you know, middle school is not a, that's a pretty healthy, uh, way of looking at it. So. That's good. When did you figure that out? Um, I don't, I don't know. Like, I think probably watching my, uh, when I first started at my school, my oldest was an eighth grader. Um, and you know, so by the time I took over the theater department, my, my middle kid was a sixth grader, was ready to be a sixth grader, like as a second year. Um, and I, I watched them go through middle school theater and then go into high school theater and just seeing the, the difference in like their budget, the intensity level and, you know, talking with the high school teachers, you know, and uh, I just, they have uh, in our district or whatever, the high school has three theater teachers, you know, a tech theater and then two teachers. And sometimes I'm really like jealous of having all that other adult support yeah. for the program. Um, but I think just having the, the, the lack of intensity, I guess, at the middle school level is, the most important thing yeah. to me personally that freedom i think yeah. is more important did you ever get involved i'm asking this selfishly because my child in three days is entering sixth grade uh mm -hmm. and wants to do theater and all that kind of stuff both her parents are theater people so mm -hmm. uh did you ever get involved with your own kids theater or or their any of their ex fine arts experiences 
Yeah, they were in my classes um, <laughs> and stuff. And yeah, it's it's probably much harder for them. Even the, um, the even the naked rock thrower. Yeah, that was yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah he eventually now he wears pants. Okay, good. So that's that's great. Um, poor kid. <laughs> he's a junior now. Uh, wow. Is that true? No, he's gonna be a he's gonna be a senior. Wow. Holy crap! So he probably doesn't appreciate the <laughs> naked jokes as much. And my youngest is gonna be a sophomore. Um, but just, oh, them having to be in my class, be my, you know, I was like, I'm not going to, you're never going to get a lead part because right. I don't want to, I don't want all the other parents to be like, oh, you just picked your own kid. And the year that we were about to, we were doing a version of Alice in Wonderland called Alice versus Wonderland. And it was really cute. And I was going to cast my two younger ones as Tweedledee and Tweedledum. And then stupid COVID hit yeah. and I never got to have them on stage together in a show. And that was like very devastating, yeah. but it would have been great. I don't know. Stupid COVID. Yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> that it's funny. That ruined my daughter's first experience with theater too. She was going to be the young Fiona uh, <laughs> and COVID, COVID killed that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you think, um, again, this is where my brain goes. Uh, so my first experience with theater education was with a gentleman named Brandon T. Harina, who's now uh, a big wig in Dallas ISD and whatever. But he wrote some books. He, uh, Alice in Wonderland is like his, just, he just loves it. It's like he's, he's obsessed with Alice in Wonderland. And he wrote some rather successful uh, spinoffs. Do you think Alice in Wonderland is the most spun off? <laughs> like, yeah, because I think just the public domain thing makes it easy yeah. um, to spin it. Um, uh, but like, it's really not like that great of a story. Right, right, but right. but like the characters are fun yeah. and I don't know, it's so colorful and memorable that you kind of have to forgive it. But I do think like like from the original, it definitely has some good stuff, but it right. needs something more substantial to make it a good show yeah what i've always found interesting is that there are a million spinoffs of what alice is still doing and and there are like you just said there's so many characters and great characters that there aren't nearly as many spinoffs of what what's going on with them what's their life about um that's a really good point yeah well all right i think we're on to something uh so a uh, couple of other things i want to uh, ask you about you said uh, that you went to Corn Cornell uh, <laughs> Cornell College, which I I had to quickly Google search it. Uh, private is it a private school? It is a private. Yeah, I think it's a private Methodist school okay. in Mount Vernon, Iowa. Okay, and um, the second thing to pop up, which I found interesting, uh, under Cornell College, I mean, this is on their website, is that the second topic is we're not in Ithaca. Uh, so exactly. you just laughed. So what is what is what's the reason behind that? Why is that such a thing? I think Ithaca is where the real Cornell College is. Oh, I see. Okay. So, I yeah. mean Cornell University. Yeah, Cornell. Cornell University. Okay. Yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna get my crack research team on that real fast. Um, okay. So what made you go to? Oh, it is. It's in Ithaca, New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That used to be like the suicide capital of the world, which is. Oh dear. Yeah, Ithaca was. Um, what was it about Cornell College? What made you go there? Um, it it was the one course at a time concept. It was ah. like all the other colleges just seemed like, yeah, that's cool. Their college is all a college. It's all a college. Um, and I was I was poor. I wasn't going to be able to go visit like any colleges, and I didn't want to go to Idaho. And like I uh, applied there. I was going to say audition, but I applied there, 
and um, they ended up giving me like a $10,000 scholarship. And then I got like some Pell Grants because I was a poor kid and Clinton was president. And so it was going to be like, I'm going, I'm going to that school because it was different. I think yeah. because it was different. You just dated yourself. Um, <laughs> do you, this is some trivia. Do you know the original name of Cornell College? Nope. It was only for four years, according to the Wikipedia. It was the Iowa Conference Seminary. Anyway, mm. in 1853, that's when it was founded. So, but then it changed to Cornell. Beautiful old buildings on there. Does it? Yeah. Yeah. That that's one of the things, and you can attest to this now that you're a Texan. Uh, is there's not a lot of that down here. Uh, there's not a lot of like historical. You know, obviously the Alamo and and the Capitol, but <laughs> um, but there's not a lot of historical architecture like there is in sort of the Midwest and the, in the East. But anyway, that's a whole nother thing. Uh, what were you afraid to tackle as a theater teacher, but ended up doing and doing somewhat successfully? Mm, I feel like everything, <laughs> like it, in the middle school level, you have, uh, there's nobody else. It's just you. It's a one man show. So you have to learn how to do light and sound and yeah. costume and makeup and hair and you have to teach all the classes you have to pick the shows you have to direct the shows you have to block the shows you have to do all the set design um and so just like like especially that first year when i had 10 days to prep yeah i, was just like, I don't know what i'm doing yeah. and i just you know just the whole uh you know the kids don't know that you don't know so as long as you you know as long as you present it enthusiastically and confidently, and I don't know. Right. Um, so I guess everything I was, I, and I've always been so scared of everything. And I just keep trying new and harder things. It's like, all right, let's do a musical. Let's write our own shows. Let's, you know, and in COVID times, we're going to film it on zoom. I'm going <laughs> to learn how to edit with premiere pro. It's just like, I just keep like saying yes to these scary things and it keeps working out. So right. But it's hard. It's still hard. And and did you say earlier you do four shows a year? Um, we uh, I do um, a class play with my okay. advanced theater. I do the one I play. Um, theater one has a show, and then in the, that's the first semester. And then in the second semester, um, theater one has a show, and advanced theater has a show, and then we do our spring show. So it's six. So, could you imagine doing that when your children were? five seven years old that kind of stuff no like um like and i like feel like so much admiration um to the theater teachers especially middle school theater teachers who have little kids um i just i was lucky that you know i could I, i had bring my kids to work basically when they were little and we just did montessori school together and it was educational enriching and i got some money right um but I already work so much. I, I feel like I neglect my family. And if I had littles too, yeah. I just think it's too much. So I want to get you out of here on this. And this is, again, it's somewhat of a, of a more uh, selfish question from me because uh, recently I've been adjuncting at the University of Houston for their theater education program. And one of the things that I've noticed is, and it's not a ton of kids, it's only a handful of kids, but I, uh, percentage-wise, a good percentage of them are from out of state, and so they they don't understand the magnitude of kind of Texas theater education and the why behind it, which is one act play and 
how people, you know, have jobs because of that world, right? And because people have bought into that for a hundred years now. Um, so as an outsider coming into the state and kind of not knowing almost really anything, I'm assuming about the, the mm-hmm. magnitude of, of, of Texas high or Texas theater, really middle school and high school. Uh, what is some advice that you would give to sort of a young person that, that has their eyes wide, like a deer in the headlights and doesn't really understand in an out, an outsider from outside the state, not an outside of theater. Um, to kind of like tackle it, not be afraid and, and, and understand it and just all the things. And I know that I'm asking you to summarize something that's a lot bigger than just a small chat, but um, what is some advice that you might give somebody that's kind of in your shoes, the same, same shoes? Like they're going to become a teacher? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was so lucky to have some amazing content, uh, well, one amazing contest manager. I think you've talked to her, Jerry Blake. And um, so... It's, it's really not, at least in the middle school level, for sure, it's not as, um, at least in our district, it's not that big of a, a to-do. The, the, we want the kids to have fun and be interested in theater and to have a good experience. We don't want it to be like cutthroat. Um, you've got to do it. Like in my district, all of us middle school teachers are very like helpful and you know we share resources and all, all sorts of things. I know not every district is quite that way, but I would encourage them to, to try to be that way. On the high school level, um, like I, I just, what was it? There was something that's like um, UIL is usually I lose. If you just go in and do the, you know, do the best show that you can do, the show that speaks to your soul, and you know the the rule book seems daunting, but it's really not that much. It just seems a lot of overwhelming, um, and it might even seem wrong to to be judging objectively making art compete against art but the truth is is like they're all great shows they're amazing shows and everybody's doing awesome work so I think that you just gotta step back maybe let the competition be the the frosting on the top um but let you your passion and you know your creativity go through that one act process because it's going to be another one the next year and another one the next year and another one the next year so it's not it's not the end of the world if you get last place. Somebody had to get last place. Maybe next year you'll do a little better. All good. <laughs> I need to get Ava to re-record the end, so I'll just do it right now. Mine is done. 